Here we go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. Uh, and from all the way on the other side of the world, um, Alistair Humphreys is here today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is so exciting. So I have just recently read your book called Micro Adventures, and I'm going to hold it up here because we also put these on YouTube, and it's worth it for anyone to just go look at this incredibly cool photo. <laughs> this this I photo... I didn't realize you're on YouTube. I should have uh, brushed my hair beforehand. <laughs> Your hair looks great. So, uh, and in fact, Alistair, my um, 12-year-old daughter picked this up because they're always asking about who's going to be on the podcast. And she flipped through. She was like, this guy's so cool. <laughs> so it's really neat that you're just, uh, you know, grasping the attention and awe of, of young of young children as well. So then I asked her, I said, well, do you want to join for the podcast? And she said, I think I would get tongue tied. So, so she did not join on, but this book just has gorgeous photos, um, micro adventures. So Alistair, I mean, you have quite the history here and this is only one of so many books, 13. 13 for now, yes. One of the, right, cause you're writing more. So uh, let me tell a little bit about you and then, uh, and then you can chime in. You are a National Geographic Adventurer of the Year. You've written 13 books. You have so much information on your website. Uh, and you have a monthly newsletter with highlights, um, forthcoming speaking engagements, expedition news. Uh, you've, you've been adventuring since you were really young, age nine. Um, and you've, you've accomplished some amazing things since then. Um, you're patron of the charity Hope and Homes for Children, uh, the Youth Adventure Trust, the Outdoor Swimming Society, Yorkshire Day. Dale, I don't know how you have time for all this. Uh, you've, um, <laughs> you're a photographer and videographer. Uh, you've worked with GoPro, and I loved. I put there was a quote. Um, there was a quote about you that said <laughs> it was something um, real funny. Like uh, Humphreys is clearly slightly bonkers, <laughs> and this oh, yeah. is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I love that. So adventurer, blogger, author, speaker, and filmmaker. Uh, this is exciting. I'm so excited. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of your adventure journey? So starting from this amazing thing that you did when you were nine years old, 20 mile Yorkshire, three peaks challenge, and then we can talk about your books. Okay. Well, I think actually the the adventuring as a kid was is actually, I'm going to take that as slightly different to my adult adventuring because um, yeah, that was a, a big hike I did when I was a young kid, but I wasn't really any particularly wild or crazy or tough guy kid. I was just a normal kid growing up in the countryside in the north of England, a beautiful area called Yorkshire. Uh, it's a national park. Um, national parks in Britain have loads of people living in because <laughs> people got there before everything. So, so I grew up in a national park and I just had a really nice childhood the sort of childhood you're trying to encourage now if I spent my days running around the fields playing in streams getting dirty falling out of trees that sort of stuff but completely normal really then I went to um, high school I went to university and I was just heading towards a completely normal life um, when I decided that before I settled down to a completely normal life like all my friends I wanted to go and have a big adventure get it out of my system and then get on with real life. So I decided um, I was enthusiastic and I had energy and I had time, but I didn't have much money. Normally in life, you either have time or you have money. It's rare. Yeah. It's, rare to, it's rare to have both. Or when you do have both, then you're old and your knees are packed in. But So I had lots of time, not much money. So I needed a big adventure that was cheap. So I chose bicycle. Cycling is a brilliant way to have adventures. So I took my life savings, which was about $10,000. Um, and I spent it all over four years cycling around the world. So it's a pretty cheap way to have four years wow. of adventure. Um, I cycled through Europe, Africa, South America, up the West coast of North America, all the way up to Alaska, and then right through uh, Russia and Asia and all the way back home to England. So I did four years of that. When I came home from that, I realized that I wasn't really ready for real life yet. And what I really wanted was more adventures. So I started doing some of the things you mentioned, uh, writing books, giving talks, uh, finding ways to try and earn a living from 
adventures. And since then, I've been doing big adventures, like um, I walked across southern India from coast to coast, and I rode across the Atlantic Ocean in a small little boat, which was really miserable. Wow. Um, I've <laughs> uh, d- d- done expeditions up in the Arctic. I crossed a big desert in Arabia, so lots of big expeditions like that. But then <laughs> gradually, over after about 10 years of doing these fantastic trips, which I loved, I realized that I had an audience now of people who really liked adventures because adventures are cool and loads of us like adventures. So I had this audience, but of course, most people weren't able to go and do the stuff I was doing because real life, most people don't have the time to cycle around the world or the inclination to spend, to row for 3000 miles across an ocean. So what I started then trying to do was thinking, how can I get all the stuff I love about adventure, the, the time outdoors, the time in nature, the simplicity, the wilderness, the freedom, the clear headspace, the fun, the excitement, the uncertainty. How can I get all of these things about adventure and squash them into a small accessible format that real people living real lives can do wherever they happen to live, even if you're not in a log cabin in Montana? And from that, I came up with the idea of micro adventures, which essentially is to try and think of a really big adventure idea that gets you really excited and then come up with a realistic version of it that you can do this weekend or even from when you turn off your laptop at 5 p.m. tonight before you have to be back at work for nine o'clock the next morning. How can we squeeze little bits of adventure into our busy lives? Because as you well know, even a small bit of adventure is better than no adventure at all. Yes. I love the book. I love, and I love the concept. It actually really just reminded me of our lives, you know, which is we've got five kids. Um, they're five. easier. Five. There are easier ages now, Alistair. They're five to 13. But, you know, they, at one point they were all eight and under, you know, and they couldn't really do hardly anything for themselves. And so we have not done any majorly grand things, which I think about all the time because I'm on Instagram. So you're feeling this like, oh, you know, we've only gone to a few really cool places. Um, but mostly we've just adventured around our home and it's it's flat and it's kind of boring, but it but it still works, you know. So I don't your book just um just piqued excitement in me. And like I said, my daughter, same thing. She loved flipping through it. Um, but this this micro adventures book, which just I so enjoyed, we'll talk about it more, uh, is only one of 13. And um which I just, I have to say is so incredible because I've written a book or two and that's a lot of work. Uh, and in 2011, you published four books in one year. Uh, but starting back in 2007 with Mo- uh, Moods of Future Joys, you've had a couple years where you've published more than one. Um, and then I want to read the the next one, which is Grand Adventures. But can you tell us a little bit about the books that you've written? Yeah, so I, I loved, one of the reasons I wanted to start having adventures was because I got, I loved reading books of adventures of crazy men and women going off the work around the world, doing mad stuff. You can see on the shelves behind me, I've got loads of books. And actually just this morning, there's the really exciting news in the adventure world that the, the South Pole explorer, Ernest Shackleton, whose ship sank in Antarctica a hundred years ago, they just found it this morning, 3000 wow. meters under the, under the ocean in Antarctica. And I find that sort of stuff so exciting. So Reading books got me really interested in going on adventures. And then when I went on adventures, I really wanted to try and write the story because I thought that would be a cool thing to do. Uh, So I started writing books for the fun of it, really. And then gradually it started to become my job. Although um, as anyone, well, anyone except JK Rowling, who has written a book will know, (laughs) you don't earn very much money from writing books. So it has to be a passion project, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've written books about some of the big adventures I've done. And then I've written the micro adventures that you mentioned. And then I wrote a book called Grand Adventures. Um, Micro adventures essentially is built on the idea that here are adventures for people who don't have enough time to go and do big adventures. Uh, which is most of us. Mm-hmm. And then Grand Adventures is based on the the other problem that stopped people having adventures is not enough money for adventures. And um, I, was, I, I had a realisation one day that if you save £20 a week or let's say $20 a week, 
and you set up an automatic bank system that just puts $20 aside every week. And I, for me, I can afford $20. I don't really notice that much disappearing from my bank account. But if that is a lot for you, just lower the amount. Find an amount that really doesn't hurt you very much, $20 a week. Tell everyone that you're going on an adventure in a year's time. In a year's time, you will now have $1,000 in that account. What adventures can you have for $1,000? And my experience has shown me that for $1,000, you can cycle a very long way. You can hike over a country. You can canoe for weeks on end. Suddenly, money isn't the problem. The problem now is committing to the adventure, saying to everyone, a year from today, I'm leaving and I'm going on an adventure for X amount of time. And then you've got a year to sort out all the boring realities of stuff to make that adventure happen. So generally, generally a lot of what I'm doing, whether it's small adventures or big adventures, or is all based around the idea of saying to people, what's stopping you doing what you want to do? Work out what's stopping you. Then stop making excuses, work out what's stopping you and find a way around that. What solution is there? Even if it's just a small little thing, it's better to do a tiny little version of what you're wanting to do than to just complain that you can't and to do nothing at all. And really, that's when I first found out about 1,000 hours outside. That's exactly why I got in touch with you, because I just thought, yes, this is exactly along the same sort of lines of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's just doing it. Just do something. Yeah. And, and you, nature, I mean, we have never been disappointed. Like I said, we do the simplest things for the most part. And I have never come home and be like, oh, I wish we wouldn't have done that. You know, I wish we would have just stayed inside or worked more or cleaned or, you know, scrubbed the baseboard. So, uh, yeah, so you micro, never, you, right. You go never ahead. regret going for a hike. You never regret going for a run. You never regret going for a swim in the river. Uh, all these experiences 10 years from now, you'll be so glad that you did them, won't you? No one's ever going to lie in their deathbed thinking, oh, I wish my kitchen had been a bit cleaner. So, right. Well, yeah. and you even talk about that in your book a couple of times, the phrase comes up, this will always stick with me. And mm. I, I do feel the same way about our adventures with our children. It's these will always stick with us, the big and the small. So micro adventures touches on the concept of time. Grand adventures cut touches on the concept of money. You do you do say this in your book that everyone says, oh, I wish I could go on an adventure someday, you know. And uh, and so what you're doing here is you're pulling people in, you know, giving them that spark to go do it. You have other books as well. You have books for kids. Yeah, so um, I cycled around the world and along, so before I cycled around the world, I trained to be a teacher. That's what I studied to be at university. So that was my uh, real life career was going to be Mr. Humphreys, the science teacher. (laughs) Uh, But instead, when I was cycling around the world, I visited about 300 schools in all sorts of countries around the world and gave talks to the kids about my adventure. I'd just turn up with my bike, looking all dirty, crazy hair, and walk (laughs) into their assembly hall and say, hi, kids, I'm in the middle of an adventure. Um, And, of course, you can imagine that kids would love those stories. I can, Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just by how so my daughter I, reacted to your book, yeah. you know, oh, you're there in real life. I mean, how cool for them. Yeah. So I turned all of the stories that I had when I was cycling around the world into a trilogy of books for children aged between about eight and 11 uh, called The Boy Who Bikes the World, which is my experiences. But in this book, it's a, a boy who somehow gets permission from his parents and clears off to go cycle around the world on his ho- own. Um, and then going to, relating to... I said earlier about all these adventurers and explorers who inspired me. I've written a big illustrated children's book called Great Adventurers, which is about the 20 men and women who inspired me and encouraged me to do adventures of my own. And that's a big illustrated book. So that's probably aimed for sort of six to 10 year olds, roughly. Um, And I I said just before we started recording how glad I was you called because I'm getting really bored of uh, <laughs> writing, which isn't a good sign for it being an interesting book, but I'm totally <laughs> sick of my writing. I'm currently doing another kid's book uh, called The Girl Who Rode the Ocean, which is about my experiences from rowing across the Atlantic Ocean. But instead of me being the hero, it's going to be a child. And I thought, 
we need more girl adventurers. So uh, I've swapped the boy who biked the world for the girl who rode the ocean. So I'm currently working away on that, a story about a girl who somehow gets permission from her parents and she sets off and crosses the Atlantic Ocean in a rowing boat. Yeah, I've got to get more of these books because I'm really intrigued. In fact, I love to read, so I've got books behind me, but I've never really thought to read about other adventurers. So this has uh, piqued my interest and and maybe we'll start with the Great Adventures book to sort of get some ideas of who we should be reading about. So this is fantastic, Alice. There are 13 books uh, for people to choose from. In fact, people sometimes say to me, they say, you know, I love listening to your podcast, but then I always buy, bo- buy the book. <laughs> Oh, but that's, it's good, right? So, uh, so let's talk about micro adventures. What what would you define a, a micro adventure to be? Well, I think the definition really depends on who you are. So, something that for somebody might be a really big adventure for someone else is really easy. So, it's it's flexible, really. You know, for some people, climbing Mount Everest is the thing of a lifetime some people will run up before breakfast uh drinking a cup of tea so it's really flexible but essentially what i say is a, a micro adventure is an adventure that is short local cheap simple and accessible for everybody and um I think with that definition we can all think of adventures that fit in with ourselves um in the book um and actually, for quite a long time, I, I really spent a lot of time encouraging that micro adventures should really include a night outdoors. Because if you spend a night outdoors, it turns just what is a hike or a bit of a day out into something really different. But I think in terms of the context of what we're talking about today, I realised that to go for a night outdoors adds a whole extra level of complexity and equipment and complication. So let's forget about that for now and just say that a micro adventure is anything that feels a little bit adventurous to you, yeah. gets you out the front door and doing something. And if it's better than doing nothing, then it counts as an adventure in my book. I'm definitely not a adventure snob. If it feels, <laughs> like, a, if it feels like an adventure to you, it is an adventure. Yeah, you know, and and you just talk about doing something that you normally don't do, uh, which I thought was a great way to put it. And one of the things that stuck out to me was you said, everyone says one day I'd like to do a big adventure, but you say adventure can be found everywhere, every day, and it's up to us to seek it out. Um, And then you talk about that, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. So there was a part in the beginning about a river swim where you borrowed, you say, I borrowed a a wetsuit and jumped in. The wetsuit was 20 years old, looked stupid, and was too thick and constricting for long-term swimming use. But you just did did what you could with what you had. And I think the idea of borrowing things is a great idea, especially if it's just for a short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're going to go and do big, serious adventures, then it really is worth spending the money on decent equipment. But until you know you want to do something big, then you just have to get by with what you've got. And I think marketing uh, really gets at us. We think that to do this, we must have a big North Face jacket, whereas the raincoats that we use to walk the kids to school on are better quality than people had for doing huge journeys years ago. So I think it's a really really, good point. Yeah, it's really important just to do what you can with what you have, where you happen to live and to do it right now. you said yourself, you live somewhere quite flat and boring. Uh, I also live somewhere quite flat and boring. Uh, I wish I lived in the mountains, but you've just got to make the best of the things you've got here and go out. It's all about your attitude, really. If you switch on some enthusiasm and curiosity, then you suddenly can find wildness and nature and beauty wherever you happen to live. Right. So, okay. So the format of this book, which is a very cool format, and I'm curious if Grand Adventures is similar, but the format of this book is that you go through, um, I wrote down the number, maybe around 40 uh, different ideas for adventures. It's just really laid out so cool, Alistair, with all the photos. And then at the end, there's just this little bit that says how to have your own micro adventure, but there's so much information in that section too. Uh, you know, it's just mentioned so small here, but then I found so much information. So uh, there was, I mean, they're so cool. They're such cool ideas. So can we talk about, let's talk about the five to nine. Uh, 
So you talk about the weekend and the five to nine, but you say the five to nine you feel is the most important chapter. So I've never heard anyone say five to nine. You only ever hear nine to five. So can you tell us about the five to nine adventure? Sure. I'm I'm glad and interested that you picked up on that. So yeah, the book went the, my idea was to start chapter one, a really tiny adventure. Uh, I call it a one day adventure because we all say, oh, one day I want to have an adventure. Well, let's make that one day right now. And one day adventure is just a, a sorry, it is actually just an adventure that only takes one day and off you go and do something. And then gradually through the book, they get slightly longer and slightly harder to the point actually where the ones near the end of the book I now think are a bit hardcore, really, for the audience that I'm trying to communicate these days. My definition of adventure has actually got quite a lot simpler uh, since the book came out. But so I spent quite a bit of time trying to encourage people to do all these adventure things. And I wasn't it was, it was a little bit complicated to explain. And then I kept, then I had the idea of the uh, the five to nine adventure. And suddenly, boom, there's a real click then of people thinking, aha, this makes sense. So we all know about the nine to five, boom, busy working life, boom, boom, boom. Most of us, of course, work more than nine to five. But for theory, let's <laughs> say we, in theory, we work from nine to five and then we go home and from five to 5 p.m. until nine in the morning, we are, in theory, free to relax and do what we want. Of course, I know life's more complicated than that, but let's pretend for now. In theory, that's free time. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy, is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp com slash 1000 hours. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last minute get together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. But... A lot of the time we might think, oh, I really want to do some adventures, but I can't because I've got to go to work. I'd learn to this, but I can't because I've got to go to work. And we get so bogged down by the nine to five. But that's only eight hours of the day. So we, what about the other 16 hours? We never think about these 16 hours and they just drift by. And yet that is two thirds of our entire life. So I started trying to think, how can I really use this? So what I started doing was when I finished work at five o'clock, I would turn off my computer, get on my bike or jump on a train to the countryside or go hike somewhere. And I'd just go sleep on a hill for the night, sleep out under the <laughs> stars, turn off my phone, have a digital detox, watch the stars, wake up early in the morning, run back down the hill, jump on my bike, jump on the train, back to the desk, back to work, ready for nine wait, o'clock. Wait, you missed, you missed. Morning. 
you miss jumping in the river. <laughs> that was yes. my favorite parts. <laughs> jumping in the river and then going to work. <laughs> yes, there is a lot in that book and in my life of jumping in rivers. I have a big theory that jumping in a river is good for the soul. You're nervous. It looks a bit cold, looks a bit scary. It's a metaphor. And then you do it, you jump in and suddenly you're like, woohoo, this is awesome. You get out, you feel fantastic. Yeah. And then you get back to work, dripping wet, twigs in your hair, <laughs> slightly exhausted. You got a terrible night's sleep, but at least you've had an adventure. This is something you will remember years from now. And I can already hear, I can hear already through the internet, your audience are screaming at me. They're saying, it's easy for you to say this, but I can't do this because... Da, 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 and all the reasons come, of which probably the, the main one will be, it's all right for you to do that. I can't do that because I've got to look after the kids and I can't just go and sleep on a hill. So my answer to that would be twofold. One would be, if possible, take your kids with you. What kids are not going to enjoy sleeping on a hill on a school night, eating all sorts of delicious snacks, possibly jumping in a river with you in the morning, who knows? And then going to school at nine o'clock the next morning with dripping hair, having had a brilliant adventure. So that's one option. If taking the kids is a bit of a hassle and you actually just want some time on your own, what I often do, because I have two kids myself, what I often do is finish work, go home, deal with the kids, put them to sleep. Once they're asleep, my wife thinks I'm an idiot. She thinks these things are stupid. So she likes to relax at home like normal people do. Well, she, when she relaxes at home, when the kids are in bed, that then I head to the hills, sleep on the hill, run back down, zoom home, get home in time to give the kids breakfast and take them to school in the morning. So it's not it's not easy, but it's possible to squeeze in some mm-hmm. adventures between five and nine. And I think just having, even if you don't like the idea of camping and you think that's stupid, but just switching your mindset from nine to five, nine to five, to starting to say, what am I going to do in my five to nine? Yeah, I've got a little bit of work from nine to five, but what options are there? Even on school days, work days, what adventure and nature can we find? Mm-hmm. Well, and you talk about being exhausted, but you, but you also feel more alive. So it's that's such a juxtaposition, right? That, you know, you may end up feeling more exhausted, but you also feel uh, just full of life. Oh, okay, let's talk about wild camping because I'd never heard about this before. I'd actually never even heard of a bivy bag, which shows how adventurous we are. Not very. Uh, so you say you've spent well over a thousand nights sleeping outdoors and probably only 10 of them have been in a proper campsite. You've even slept in clean sewage pipes. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is something that I've never heard too much of. So talk to us about what you do. Okay. So when I cycle around the world, essentially I would just cycle all day. And then when the sun was going down, uh, whether I was in Africa or China or Argentina, cycle along all day. And when the sun goes down, you wait till there's no one around on the road. You're out in the countryside. You just run behind some trees or behind a hill, put up your tent and sleep for the night. It's the way people have camped and enjoyed nature for thousands of years, um, really. You know, it's just, we're out in the outdoors. I'm going to sleep there. Nobody knows that I'm there. Therefore, I'm perfectly safe. Uh, I'm not going to get eaten by a tiger. I'm completely safe. I'm scared of ghosts, yes. And we worry about ghosts, but I'm completely safe. So I spent four years essentially living that way and really loving it and having no problems at all. So I I say that because it now means I've really got the hang of camping and all that sort of stuff. When it comes to micro adventures, then I still really try and champion the idea of wild camping because, yes, you can go to um, proper national parks. And uh, in the US, you have this great system of the the state parks and the, the smaller, more local parks where you can camp the night. And that's great. And it's got facilities and things, but it's, and, and, if you hate what I'm about to say for the next two minutes, then please, by all means, go, <laughs> go, go stay in these state parks because it's great. You're still outdoors. You're still camping. However, personally, I feel that I really want to be in nature and I don't want to be just camping five metres away from an RV where they're playing music late at night and 
and I don't want there to be lights and electricity and uh, I don't need a big shower block and things. I'm, I want to be away from the world having a simple experience. And often the places where I'm going on micro adventures aren't the sort of wild, beautiful places that have campsites. They're just the sort of places where you and I live, where out of the small town, there'll be a, a hill and a small woodland, you know, not very spectacular at all. And I just went, I really enjoy just going to those places in the evening. No one's there. Everyone goes home in the evening to watch Netflix all night. So you have the place completely to yourself and you just sleep in the little woodland. You wake up early in the morning, make your cup of coffee on your camping stove or have your thermos flask of coffee. And you drink that early in the morning. Everyone's still in bed because they're lazy. You've got the sunshine and the spring morning to yourself. And then you head home. So rather than just feeling I'm not allowed to camp in the world, I now feel I can camp wherever I want. Nobody minds. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Now, nobody knows. That's the crucial thing. Nobody knows. There are no problems at all. I now have to add a few disclaimers, uh, which are <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing this in Britain. Um, nobody in Britain. There aren't any snakes scary snakes in Britain. There aren't any grizzly bears in Britain. And also people in Britain don't have guns. So the worst thing that's possibly going to happen to me in Britain is someone will see me and go, what are you doing here? And I'll say, oh, I'm just camping in this lovely wood. And they will 99% of the time say, oh, okay, well, have a nice evening and leave. And perhaps 1% of the time, which actually has never, ever happened to me in Britain, someone might say, oh, you're not allowed to camp in this woodland please go away. And I'll say, oh, I'm sorry. And I'll walk off somewhere else. That's never happened to me, but that's the worst that would happen in Britain. And I suspect realistically that if you're friendly and polite, that's the worst that would happen anywhere in the world. Uh, when I cycled through America for over three months, I just wild camped every single night and never had a problem anywhere. But I do realise that it's a bit more complicated, at least uh, mentally complicated in the States. Do you, so do you have, um, I love that you put in this book that it's undeniably silly. Do you, so <laughs> have you heard from, I mean, just people that have done it? I mean, uh, they read your book and they're like, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. What All are, around what the world. The, um, well, mostly, mostly Britain's been where I've got my biggest audience, but other okay. groups around Europe and some in the States and, uh, different places. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that and people send me emails saying, "Oh, I, I was really nervous, really nervous about going to camp in this place. Really nervous about it." But I, so I teamed up with a friend, and we felt a bit brave. We did it together, and it was fantastic. And now we're going to do it every month, or every month in the summertime, or something like that. So, I I accept this is definitely a niche activity, but I'm certainly not the only one. And uh, there's quite a few regional Facebook groups of people in the certainly in the UK who've been get meeting up just to get more confidence to do these sort of things. And I get really lovely emails from people for whom micro adventures has really helped them with their mental health or helped yeah. them bond with their family. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's not just, not just me. Yeah, I can see that. And I think you bring up a good point that you talked about um, sort of throughout the book woven through is to go with a friend. And, you know, for me as a, as a mom, especially when our kids were young, we always adventured with a friend. Uh, it was safer. And um, just to have an extra pair of eyes, to have an extra set of hands. Um, so we we never, people ask about it a lot. I did not take my young children into the woods by myself. Um, you know, we always went with friends, but then, but then we had these really solid friendships. In fact, I just last night ran into a friend at the store, um, you know, and we've, you know, grown apart a little bit because of distance and and kids activities, but, uh, you know, a friend that I adventured with when our kids were toddlers, you know, for years and you just have such a deep bond. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, do you have adventure friends that, that are doing these things with you? I, yeah, quite a lot. I've quite a lot of friends in the adventure world. Um, so I, I, one of the big problems that I hear from a lot of people is people say, I love the idea of what you do, but I don't have any friends who want to do this with me. And I really, sympathize with people in that position so i can see that that is really hard but yeah i'm lucky i have friends who enjoy these things but probably more often than not my micro adventures i choose to go by myself um i spend all day 
either with my family or on Zoom meetings or just out and about or talking to people. It's quite rare to just be totally on my mm. own these days. The world is busy. And I, whenever I go to the woods or go to the hills, I put my phone onto airplane mode. So I'm essentially offline. And that's a really important part of it for me. Um, there's an old saying along the lines of, um, if you're too busy to go and sit in the woods for an hour, then you need to go and sit in the woods for two hours because we're so crazy, crazy busy. And increasingly now, micro-adventures for me are less about some of the later chapters in that book, which are quite roughy-tufty, crazy, exciting adventures. Micro-adventures, less about that for me now. And it's more about just going to the woods, sitting there oh, and listening to the birds for half an mm. hour. And I suppose that's the, the good thing about micro-adventures is that it can be flexible for whatever your personal needs are in your life at the period you're at. Um, I spent last year, I did a really nice um, collaboration project with an American artist called Anna Brones, and she's into the similar sort of stuff as me. I've never met her, but we've met via the internet. And uh, so every month we would have a discussion about an idea of a small adventure. And we realized that we both loved adventure. We both loved coffee. So every month I, she does these beautiful paper cuts and I would write an essay and it was about having coffee as a gateway to adventure. And they were tiny, we're deliberately tiny. So for example, it was get your cup of coffee in the morning and go drink it outside. A lot of people maybe don't even do that and just listen to the birds. And if, that, if it, that's fine, then next month, get your cup of coffee, take it outside and go somewhere you've never been. It might be only one mile from where you live, but I can guarantee there is somewhere a mile from where you live that you've never been before. And therefore you can be an explorer, an explorer of the world close to home. And we just gradually built them up tiny, 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 tiny bits like this. Um, do a coffee in the woods with your friend. Take a friend who thinks these ideas are stupid and take him <laughs> or her to go and sit with you under a tree for an hour and have a coffee. These are tiny, tiny little steps, gateway yeah. steps towards adventures. Yeah, and you talk about that in your book. Eat dinner in your garden. You know, even when it's cold, have your breakfast outdoors. Take it into the woods. So you have the sentence that said, the novelty alone was refreshing and amusing. And that to me is that part where you talk about exhaustion. It's like, well, maybe you're tired, but you're refreshed. You know, you're ready for life. Um, one of the things that really stuck out with me, this, this certain sentence, and you talked about going out into the forest, small woods, the forest, um, and you say, my friends and I hadn't really planned much. There isn't a lot to report. We just stopped in a supermarket, loaded a basket of food, and then headed out of town. And that's sort of how I feel about our life. You know, there isn't a lot to report, but it's still so, you know, fantastic. Um, you know, why do you think that is? You know, how can these simple things be so impactful? Well, you know, I, I that I... When you read that sentence, I haven't heard or read that sentence in years now. I've had the book out quite a while now, and I've completely and utterly forgotten about that. But the moment you said it, I thought, ah, I know exactly what that is, and I remember now. And essentially, it was just me and a few friends, and we spent the evening sitting around a campfire together, eating a bit, chatting a bit, out under the stars. And I remember that so clearly. I've spent a lot of nights in pubs, bars, cafes, restaurants with friends, which I can't remember now. They've just blurred and gone. So I think it's about trying to do something that's different in life. And we we get, it's very easy to do what is easy to just think, oh, I'm tired. Oh, we'll just, we'll go to the usual place. We'll do the usual sort of thing. We'll, we'll go to the usual, whatever. I mean, why not, for example, the, re the restaurant you always go to with your partner on Friday night when you're exhausted, it's the only decent restaurant in town. You go there all the time. Why not this weekend? get a takeaway from there, get them to put it in a box for you and take it out and drive five minutes to the nearby river or to the lake and sit on the ground by the river and eat the same food. Mm. I guarantee it's be less comfortable than the restaurant, but I guarantee you'll remember that a year from now. So it's just about doing, taking a tiny bit of effort to do not just the easy, same old things, I think. And from that come memories that aren't expensive or difficult and you don't need to be an expert to get them, but these are precious memories that you can build for yourself. 
and they stay wait they stay with you because this book is from 2014 and you had an experience where you say there wasn't a lot to report but you still remember it and this is um i think this is the power of doing new things and being outdoors uh okay so you have kids uh, what are what are their ages uh they are um 12 and 10. okay so what do they think about you what do they think about all this stuff? You know, do they like to go along? You know, a lot of people message and say, you know, their kids really push back. They don't really want to be outside. You know, what's been your experience with adventuring with kids? Well, they think I'm a bit of a boring idiot, like most people <laughs> think their parents are boring idiots. <laughs> uh, so they, the fact that I do adventures and write books, that doesn't really <laughs> don't care. register with them. No, they don't care <laughs> at all. So... I spend a lot of time doing adventures, caring about adventures, championing adventures. They really, really love sitting inside on their screens and the, and they love that. Well, it's fun. Of course it, they enjoy it because it's fun, but they also do it a lot because that's what, where we live, that's what everyone else is doing. All of their friends are indoors on screens. All of their, all of the other families we know if they want to have a fun evening they don't do the stupid stuff i do they spend the evening indoors on screens um it's a real 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 struggle um and i say this because i hope then that some of people listening will feel oh phew uh, here's this adventure guy and he's got the same parenting struggles that i've got as well so it's a nightmare trying to get the kids outdoors having said that of course once you do then something changes in them and they go into be these little wild people who love it and they are no longer so rude and obnoxious and horrible and they suddenly become curious and delightful and it's great. So it's a battle I feel is I must persevere with. I must keep going on it. Um, so I don't really take them on. I certainly don't take them on my big adventures. I, my hope is that at some point they will choose to come with me and say, can I come? And that would be great. What I really don't want is for them to get to be 20 and think, oh man, do you remember when dad dragged us up a mountain every weekend? That sucked. I'm never doing that ever again. So I want them to choose to live more adventurously. But we do, when we're lucky, we uh, we ride bikes. Uh, we um, make little fires in the woods and make hot chocolate. Uh, we go canoeing and swimming in rivers. We do quite a lot of stuff, but I'm surprised how unsuccessful I am at bringing them up to be as wild as I always imagined I would. Yeah. I mean, our home is similar. I found that, well, we really like to be outside, but we don't like to go outside. And I think it's that transition, um, both for the parent and the child, I think that's very hard. But then, like you said, once you're there, um, you know, then everyone feels better. Everyone's happier. Um, and for us, as long as we have friends along, our kids are keen to go, but otherwise they're dragging their feet as well. We've got, we've got sort of the same thing happening here. Uh, I thought the idea of, of paying attention to the rhythms of, of the world, the solstices, the full moons uh, was such a great idea because you can add um, just a little bit of extra excitement to your life uh, just by paying attention. So that was one of the ideas in there. Uh, you said you have a favorite full moon. Uh, the, har the harvest. <laughs> the harvest moon, yes. <laughs> Yeah, the harvest, harvest full moon is a lovely one in September, October time because it's, it rises just after the sun has set, is big and fat and low on the horizon. And it's a lovely time of year that. So, yeah, I, I think going, going to what you say, if it's quite hard to get your kids outdoors, but once they're out, they love it. Myself, I too feel the need to schedule in some adventuring into my life because otherwise I just think, I'd like to go on an adventure and think, oh, but I could also spend two hours answering emails. So, um, so I have to, so I also make an effort to schedule things in. And I find that choosing natural events and actually putting them into my uh, Google calendar is a really helpful way of making me get outside and also making me pay attention to things. So the solstices, the longest, shortest days of the year, the equinoxes, these are times when it's really good to go sit outside um, and pay attention. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. 
Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. Um, this year I've got in my diary every single full moon and my challenge this year is to go outside under the full moon and do something. And it's March now, but I still actually haven't worked out a really clever plan. I haven't worked out a clever marketing idea for this of maybe I can do 12 somethings i don't know what it is all i know is that each full moon i have to go out there so i've done two so far which involved me just hiking out in freezing winter weather and looking at the moon and of course it was fantastic once i was out there even though i still have no plan for this um one thing i've been doing for three years is every single month um scheduled into my calendar the first wednesday of the month uh i go and climb a tree um and i climb the same tree to the same place in the tree. And I take with me a little flask of tea or coffee. So I turn off my emails. I go to this tree, it's nearby. I climb up it and I just sit in the branch, up on the branch, 10, 15 minutes, drink my cup of tea. And what's great about this is you notice the seasons changing. You notice, wow, the tree's changed in the last month since I was here. The leaves have changed colors. The leaves have fallen off. The leaves have grown again. Oh, look, on the ground, the bluebell flowers have appeared. Oh, I can hear birds that weren't here last month. Stuff that I love noticing and love being aware of, but in the busy rush of normal life, I might not really pay attention to. I just live in boring suburbia, so I'm not surrounded by nature. I have to make a small effort to find it. And I found scheduling a monthly tree climb to be an absolutely brilliant thing to do that. And that's definitely something... that could be done as a family. I've done it with my uh, kids for the last two years. Uh, We go to the same tree and climb the tree every month. And I take a picture from the same place every month. It makes a nice time lapse. Oh, oh, I'm sure. And nature has this way of reminding us that time is passing. And I think that's important. I think it's important. I think we can lose that when we're not paying attention to the seasons and the you know, in the rhythms of nature that we forget, you know, time is passing and this day is gone and, and we're on to the next and our kids are getting older. Uh, so those are, those are beautiful ideas. I mean, your book, this one book, and I know you have so many others, is just filled with so many beautiful ideas. I wanted to touch on, um, 
you know, so one of the things I love about podcasts is that it forces me to read books and I love to read. Um, but, you know, sometimes you have a hard time finding the time. So you're like, I got this podcast coming, you know. And so do your homework. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I get to this part in the back, uh, which this photo is so cool. Uh, and it says how to have your own micro adventure. Now, I think at this point, based on the based on the beginning, I feel like I'm just about done because you, it's right. <laughs> it's right here. That's it. You know, there's just a little bit. And I get to this part in Alistair. It's kind of like your website. There's so much helpful information here. You know, I, I really couldn't even believe it. So um, so I want to just mention real quickly uh, the resources you have in the back of your book and then and talk about what you have on your website as well. So in the back of this micro adventures book, you have a calendar of the year, how to put your mind at ease, how to find locations. You know, you have information about sleeping wild. You have a kit list and an anti kit list. Uh, well, let's talk about that for a minute. What's an anti kit list? I'll be completely honest with you. I can't remember. Oh. I would guess. I my guess would your be. Guess. Your guess is going to be. My good. guess would be that it's all the stuff you don't need yes. to go yes. and have an adventure. Yeah. Um, I put you on the spot because the book's from 2014. Yeah. yeah. So you have this quote in there. You say it's from three men in a boat. Is that one oh, of your yes. books? Um, oh, I wish it was on my books. It's it's a book that's about 150 years old, but is a hilarious very English story of three men who are trying to plan a two-day boating trip down the River Thames near London. And it's just total chaos and disaster. And they okay. try and take far too much stuff with them. So I'm guessing it's something to do with that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'll have to check that one out. So you say, we must not think of the things we could do with, but only of the things we can't do without. So I just wanted to, I mean, this goes on and on. I wrote them all down and it would just, um, I think be overboard if I read them all, but you know how to navigate by the sun and cloud spotting and bird song. And um, so you just had all these additional resources that are unique to the book. And then I found that your website is the same. So can you tell us a little, and, and your website kind of just like the book is very visually um, enticing. Like there's a picture uh, right when you pull up your website of like someone's head, like it looks like in a, in a hole in the water. I don't even know. I think it's under the podcast. <laughs> it's the yeah, it's the podcast. There's someone burying their head head down a rabbit hole. Because you know when you go down a rabbit hole, who knows where you'd be? And then his head appears out of the clouds because he's a dreamer with the head in the clouds. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, so so yeah, my website is now, it's both a blessing and a curse, but there's now 21 years worth of blog posts on there which means there's a heck of a lot of words but it also means it's quite a chaotic jumble of stuff Um, it's organized well though i try to organize it well so if you go on there for example and you're interested in micro adventures now there's this drop down menu called micro adventures Mm -hmm. faq the frequently asked questions which pretty much answers basically what i've done is put everything that's in the book I've also put on my website for free. So if you don't want to buy my book, just read my blog and it's all on there for free. Um, But I'm glad you find that all that stuff useful because what I really wanted to try, I didn't just want, what I didn't want to do was write a book that looked like an REI catalog full of really boring stuff about raincoats that people spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on. What I really wanted to do is fill people with enthusiasm and curiosity to just go and do something. And then once they had that enthusiasm was like, okay, Here's now the practical stuff. What's worrying you? How to find a place to go? What do I need to yeah. take? All those sorts of things. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm you sure have done that. that. You sure have done that with this book. It does It does really fill you with enthusiasm and excitement and sort of this vision of, of what, what can we do with our lives. Uh, and so I love that. So you have three podcasts. You are just um, just spitting out the content here. I'm so impressed. So can you tell us about your podcasts? Well, two two of those are cheating because they two of them. What these days I publish my own books these days because it's it just gives you much more creative freedom. So mm-hmm. with two of my books, I recorded them as audio books, which people can buy if they want to. And then I thought, oh, while I'm at while I've recorded all this, I might as well just chop up each chapter and stick it out as a free podcast. So two of my podcasts are just my books turned into podcasts for free, and then one of them. Um, is called Living Adventurously, which is me interviewing people who themselves are living adventurously. And the important part of it, and the bit that excites me, is 
what does living adventurously mean to them? So it's not a podcast full of mountaineers and climbers and athletes and stuff. It's artists and poets and chefs and all sorts of different people who in their own ways are just grabbing life and shaking it and trying to be enthusiastic and curious. So yeah, I've really enjoyed doing that podcast. Podcasting is fun, isn't it? Because basically- It's so fun. It's my favorite thing. You, you point a microphone at someone and it basically just gives you permission to have a really nice chat with someone who's really interesting and uh, talks them for a whole hour without even having to buy them a beer. So yeah, that's really, it's a fun <laughs> thing to do. It is. You get someone's best hour. You know, it's like if you were to take someone to say, you know, narrow down, you know, the, the things that you have learned in your lifetime, you know, and you squeeze it into this conversation. And I have been changed, um, just so deeply uh, affected and moved through these conversations more so than I ever expected. Uh, and so, you know, I, I really, I really love it. If um, so, Alistair, if people are interested in, in finding you and in finding your 13 books, and I know you have another one coming um, and your podcast and all this information where, where's a good place for them to go? Well, my website's a good start, which if uh, alistairhumphreys.com, if you Google Alistair Humphreys, even if you spell my name wrong, which I guarantee you will, um, you should probably find it. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and wherever you find your podcasts. And my books are on Amazon or Book Depository, um, with, which gives free shipping everywhere. Um, so yeah, pretty much wherever you want to find me. And then I've got my newsletters uh, which you can sign up to on my website. Yeah. I, you know, I think this is real life. You're busy. You know, you have these three podcasts, you have this website, you're sending out a monthly newsletter. I, for, um, personally, I know how much time it takes uh, or a little bit about how much time it takes to get a book out into the world to keep up with, you know, six different social media accounts. Uh, so you are really living this, you know, uh, you, you're busy just like the rest of the people. And, um, I like that you just you you mentioned that a lot that you know this is a book for busy people this is this is a way of life for people who are really busy um yeah. you know they they need it more yeah i've i've increasingly over the years of essentially what i try and do is encourage people to have adventures and i do that by all these different platforms online and what I've noticed over the years is that there are a lot of people encouraging people to have adventures but they set really unrealistic expectations of people which I think actually look quite showy offy about the person and actually quite demeaning to all the rest of us who think well I'd like to do that but I can't because real life gets in the way so what I really really try and do is just make things so just to try and say look I've done these massive things which are quite exciting. I hope you find them exciting. And now let's go do something tiny and climb a tree or have a cup of coffee in the woods. And then you can build up your adventuring from there. But the crucial thing, which I've said about 10 times, is it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something to just start really small and do something. And little by little, you'll build up to spending a thousand hours outside. And wouldn't that be great? It is, you know, people post at the end of the year, they post these compilation videos of their year and it's just, it's the best. It's the littlest stuff, but it's the best. One of, um, this is a quote I want to end with because um, it was probably one of my most favorite from your book, Micro Adventures. You say, I do it because it's miserable and difficult, but also because it is easier in many ways than the complicated confusion and stress and hassle of modern life. That was so profound. It's not easy. It's not easy to get a thousand hours outside. It's not easy to go sleep outside with the bugs. <laughs> so intrigued. It's not easy, but but then in some ways it is easier, uh, you know, because it, it makes your life more fulfilling. So um, thank you for such a beautiful book. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm going to read the other ones. The, the one that piqued my interest the most is The Great Adventurers. Um, so I'm excited to read that one with my kids and I'm sure we will we will work our way through all 13. Uh, we always end our podcast the same way, Alistair, uh, with a favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours. Oh, that's a lovely question. Um, so I spe- I grew up in um, little sort of hilly countryside in the Yorkshire Dales. Um, and just about 200 meters from our house was a, a stream. Um, it was only about a foot deep 
um, and bubbling along and really nice. And my brother, myself and two friends, we used to just spend hours and hours and hours building dams there. And there's this weird, ugly little fish that lives under little stones there. And you have to, you walk through the water and you pick up a stone gently. And if you see it there, camouflage, you try and catch it in your hands. And then, uh, I don't, and then we'd sort of put it back, I suppose. But yeah, I think I've spent a lot of time just playing in the little creek just outside our house when I was a kid. And uh, that's pretty special. How lovely. Simple and lovely. Well, Alistair, this has just been such a delightful conversation. Our whole family has really enjoyed your book, Microadventure. We can't uh, wait. Microadventures. We can't wait to read the other ones. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.